Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI collaboratives. I'm Marilyn Cheryl, Senior Performance Improvement Program Director at Vizient and your program host. In this podcast, we'll discuss high reliability culture as a popular topic for several projects offered by the PI Collaboratives team. Vizient's definition of a high reliability organization is an organization that has experienced significant success in avoiding harm within an environment of high complexity and risk. These organizations create a collective state of mindfulness that produces an enhanced ability to discover and correct errors before they escalate into a crisis. Failing to establish this mindfulness infrastructure impairs the ability to perform reliably when unexpected events do occur. Joining me today to discuss high reliability culture and their work together is Dr. Michael Leonard, co-founder and now board chair of Safe and Reliable Healthcare, and Dr. Gina Futrell, executive principal of Vizient. Michael and Gina, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much, Marilyn. It's a privilege to be here and talk about a topic that Michael and I are both so passionate about. Thank you for the opportunity to kind of share our experience and work in an area we think is extremely valuable. Michael, let's start with you. For those listening who may not be familiar with safe and reliable healthcare, give us a little background about your organization. Sure, happy to do so. Safe and Reliable Healthcare is an organization dedicated to improving the quality and reliability of care. My background is a cardiac anesthesiologist, worked for Kaiser Permanente for 20 years. And as a patient safety officer, we kept seeing avoidable episodes of serious harm and tragic events. And at the root of that was really high reliability, combining the inherent technical expertise of our caregivers. But what really was the glue in that is culture. And so I've had a deep interest in culture for the last 20 years, and we've gotten to the point that it's become a hard science, and we can provide simple, actionable insights to people to help them provide better and safer care. Gina, tell us how Vizient came to partner with Safe and Reliable. What were the driving factors? You know, Marilyn, high reliability was important to our members, and they prioritized it in our 2021 member survey. And we really at Vizient had great depth in many aspects, but we wanted a comprehensive solution so we could meet members where they were in their high reliability journey. So we decided that partnering was really our best strategy to develop a comprehensive approach. And after looking at all of the other providers in the market, we selected Safe and Reliable. I really like to say, and I think Michael would agree, we selected each other. Our partnership has definitely been mutually beneficial, and we've been working together for almost two years now. So let's talk more about high reliability. So I gave a brief definition in my opening, but can the two of you explain more about it, why and how it can impact the organization's performance? Sure. We have a joint framework for safe and reliable care. Alan Frankel, the other founder of Safe and Reliable, and myself taught for many years in the IHI patient safety officer course. So every six months, we would spend a week with 80 or 100 very smart people who wanted to learn about reliability and safety and go back to their organizations and do this work in very complex environments. What we realized is early on, we would essentially give them a big box of tools and say, go build a house. And then we got a little smarter and said, maybe you need a blueprint or a roadmap to do that. It's really kind of a wonderful combination because 
in between those six-month sessions, we were out working with member hospitals, people like Mayo, NYU, community hospital, et cetera, really road testing those concepts. And there's really five basic components to the framework. One is leadership, leadership being present, listening to people, acting on their concerns is essential. And we've certainly seen the importance of that through the problems with COVID. Culture, breaking culture, the attitudes and behaviors of groups of people down into tangible, actionable approach is key. You need to have data and knowledge. And this is an area, obviously, that Vizient excels with a clinical database and other sources of knowledge. And then you need to have a systematic approach to improvement. And this is not an inherent strength in healthcare. We have extremely well-trained, smart people but it's kind of this historical method of just dig deeper and try hard as opposed to a systematic approach to problem solving. And one of the pieces that Vizient has kind of brought to the combination, which is extremely valuable, is the leadership management systems of how do you go in, build the capability of middle managers, coach people, learn by doing. So it's really a wonderful and I think highly effective combination. Tina, did you have some thoughts about the synergies between Vizient and Safe Reliable? That was what was so enlightening as we started talking with each other. And there really was not a lot of duplication. It was very synergistic and additive to what each of us brought. So Safe and Reliable had depth where we had gaps and vice versa. And we said since the very beginning, we kind of laugh about it now that one plus one equals three. But actually now we say one plus one equals five because together we are definitely greater than we are individually. Michael's talked to some about of their strengths and the depth and cultural measurement and actual interventions to improve improve culture and their leadership development and their electronic visual management just was a great addition to our depth in the clinical and operational analytics, our improvement scientists, science expertise. And like you said, really importantly is the management systems. And they're just critical to creating a system approach in the organizational infrastructure to improve and sustain, which we know organizations really struggle with. Just the traditional approach to transactional improvement is not enough. you got to create the systems around it through standard work, the transparent use of data, huddles, coaching, rounding, really engaging the entire organization in the achievement of goals. And you just can't be successful without approaching and including culture as a critical component of that also. Can you talk about the importance of culture and why this is a starting point for this work? I'm happy to do this. I'm involved in culture in the late 90s when we were working with aviation safety folks. And one of the learnings in aviation safety crew resource management from the 1970s was there's no shortage of technical skill, the ability to fly the airplane. But what made the difference and led to aviation being incredibly safe was really understanding the cultural dynamics and the ability of flight crews to work together. And again, if you think about it, there's hierarchy there. There's a captain. There's a junior officer, not dissimilar to a doctor and a nurse, et cetera. And what we've learned over time is the ability of leadership to create an environment where people feel safe to speak up. Psychological safety is a critically important component. And in fact, when we looked in Kaiser, when I worked in national risk management, a very, very high percentage of avoidable harm and death stemmed from situations where people knew something was wrong and sometimes explicitly knew it wrong and were hesitant to speak up and couldn't get help to the bedside in a timely manner. We've gotten very good at measuring culture And the score survey that we've kind of evolved with our friends at Duke is an integrated survey. So it not only looks at safety and teamwork, it looks at the qualities of leadership, their presence on a systematic basis, providing feedback, which is a critically important piece. 
the learning environment, the ability of frontline caregivers to identify things and be able to fix them, either by themselves or with additional help. Burnout and emotional exhaustion is an incredibly important factor today, and we know it's rampant as a result of COVID, and unfortunately, it was pretty high before COVID. And then the other piece is employee engagement. And historically, organizations measured all those things independently and really never integrated or connected the dots. And what the SCORE survey does, which is highly validated, published in the literature, strong correlations to things like absenteeism, turnover, patient satisfaction, medication errors, pressure ulcers, inpatient infections, is it provides a complete picture with very specific actionable items identified that can be acted on in a simple, sustainable way. Let's kind of flip around here a little bit. And Gina, talk about how Vizian has used some of the survey results from the SCORE survey alongside certain clinical outcomes and some of the interesting findings we've seen. Well, first, when I hear Michael talk about cultural measurement and interventions, it just reinforces why we are so excited about this partnership. To have cultural data in combination with the clinical and operational data and other ambulatory data, it's limitless about what we can do when we start integrated. So we're just getting started on this, and it's really exciting, it's unique, and we know it's a differentiator for us to be able to integrate clinical and operational data with cultural data to really discover new drivers that impact performance and outcomes. We've been doing root cause analysis for a very long time, but I would say majority of time, we're not coming down to determine that culture was the driver to performance. We're finding other process issues that we want to address. Perhaps we're finally discovering the real root causes that are driving our performance and outcomes. An example of some early insights, and again, it's very early, but we know it's there. We just have to find the methodology around it includes connecting the dots between mortality and staff burnout. And Michael talked about what the workforce is experiencing and has experienced. This is so important to understand and appreciate because our workforce has been so damaged over the last few years. And we wouldn't be honest with ourselves if we think this would not impact how they come to work every single day and the distractions and being tired. How could they bring their very best self to work every day? And that's their intention. Yeah, that's true. Gina, walk us through operationalizing the delivery of helping organizations along their high reliability journey. What does that look like? Yeah, you know, we've got a really organized, methodical approach that really builds the competencies and capabilities throughout the organization. So we approach it in a four cornerstone methodology. Cornerstone one's an assessment, and that, of course, includes score, but interviews and observations. And we have a comprehensive assessment tool that identifies the strengths and the opportunities across each of the five domains in our framework. And from that, we start creating an organization's improvement roadmap. Everybody's got strengths, but everybody's got opportunities, and we want to put our best evidence-based leading practice interventions to help close those gaps. So that's cornerstone one. And then in two, we start education, and this includes leadership academies for executives and operational leaders. And then there's some asynchronous sessions for the workforce. This is really critical so that everyone starts speaking the same language and understand their individual role in achieving high reliability and creating a positive culture around this. This is not something that anyone can delegate. It's not something that any individual can do on their own. It takes the entire organization to believe that culture is important and they have a role in it and they have a responsibility in it. 
So cornerstone three is where we start our interventions, and we've talked about management systems. It's where we stand them up. And through this, we teach leaders and the workforce how to solve real problems that they're experiencing. It could be a clinical or operational improvement priority. It's really important to our offering that we achieve measurable improvements in the areas that they care about. LENS, which stands for Learning and Engagement Systems, is a safe and reliable electronic visual management and communication technology. It's a valuable improvement to how we've historically approached visual management in patient care areas and service areas, and it creates the communication boards for teams to huddle around and track issues and monitor their performance improvement metrics and create community around these boards and I've seen this in action at some of our top performing organizations and Houston Methodist is one of them. And I was just in awe as huddles were led by managers and the collaboration and community, the team swarmed around that. And they talk about how important this is and has been to building culture and positive cultures and facilitating communication in these areas. So we're really excited Lastly is Cornerstone 4, where we build the infrastructure for sustainability. When we complete an engagement, the organization will have the capacity and capability to continue the high reliability journey after we leave. It never ends. This is not a transactional engagement that an organization prioritizes and then they achieve it and they move on. This is about transformation of the organization from a culture and from an improvement standpoint. And they have to be intentional about it every single day so they don't lose the gains that they have achieved and they continue to create a learning environment and improvement so that they continue on that journey after we're gone. Michael, do you have any thoughts to add around the operationalizing of the delivery? You know, hospitals and health systems are really complicated, busy places. And if you have a roadmap that says, here's how to think about this work, here are the explicit activities to engage in. The beauty of LENS is it becomes the voice of the frontline folks. Think about that busy nurse today. She's in the ICU, she's in a room, the infusion pump is broken. In the absence of LENS, what are you going to ask that person to do? Take 15 minutes or interrupt their workflow, go sit at a computer, put a report into an incident reporting system where they have little to no confidence anybody's going to act on it. If they're in a unit that has lens, she has an icon, she has an app on her phone, she can take a picture of that pump, she can text it to the lens board, they can link it to biomed if they want. And the other thing that's really critically valuable in this is that leaders can sit in their office and scroll through these units and see what the issues are, see what's in progress, what's acted on, what hasn't been. And when they go down and talk to those frontline caregivers, they already have line of sight on the issues so they can start the conversation in the middle. Well, I love that. Lens sounds like it's a virtual leadership rounding and it improves efficiency. So I just love that. Very interesting. All right. What advice can you offer organizations who are considering a high reliability journey? So where should they start? The first thing you need to do is assessment. We've now been working with cultural measurement long enough that we've gotten very good at it. If you look at the SCORE survey, it's highly validated. We publish the validation database in the medical literature. We publish four or five articles a year and can show demonstrable benefit of lead rounding, of acting on cultural concerns. And it was actually surprising to me that you could go into organizations full of incredibly smart, talented people. And what an accurate assessment, both by interviews, which allow you to get the context 
in which people are kind of telling you how they feel about leadership and teamwork and control of the environment, the ability to fix things, the ability to deliver appropriate care to patients. And so when you come in with the framework that Gina talked about in a cultural assessment, they can see where they are, where they want to be, and the explicit, visible, sustainable actions they need to take to kind of move the ball down the field. That's a really critically important piece of this. The other thing is it teaches out the things they do really well, the strengths culturally and operationally, clinically they can leverage, and also services, fundamental areas of opportunity or improvement. And often people are so kind of heads down and up to their ears in the delivery of care that it's really valuable to have an external perspective to say, these are the things you do really well. Here's where you have fundamental opportunity. I mean, here's where you're kind of pain in the wrong place. And these are the simple things you want to do every day to make that better. Gina, do you have anything to add to that in regards to how do people start this journey? I think the simple answer is just get started. We truly believe that the traditional approach to performance improvement, it's so important and understanding improvement science and be able to implement it is critical, but it's not going to get you where you need to be to achieve performance excellence and to sustain it. I mean, the other thing is you have got to prioritize culture. You got to be honest about where you are across all five of the domains of the framework. We've talked with organizations and they'll say, well, which ones are the most important? They're all important. You're not going to achieve performance excellence if you do not create some excellence across all of them. And it takes intentional work, just like we've talked about. So you know what? Stop and celebrate where you have strengths, but really be honest about where you are and where you have gaps and put a plan in place to start closing those and start that journey. There's no harm in starting it in any improvements going to have positive results. That's great. So any final parting thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, let me just add an additional perspective on culture. So in the world of high reliability, people talk about socio-technical systems, and that's a nice big word. But what it really means is you have technical expertise, how you deliver medication to a patient, how you move them through the hospital, how you define a sepsis bundle. And then there's the socio piece, which is really cultural. And what's interesting, and I've lived this as a physician for a long time, is we hire for technical expertise. Somebody's a good joint surgeon, somebody's a good cardiologist, somebody's a good pharmacist. And then we operate on what I call the good citizen model that says they're all smart, they're all skilled, they all behave. And what that does is it gives you a bell-shaped curve of behavior. You get great behavior, you get good behavior, and then you get knuckleheads. And we spend a disproportionate amount of time on unprofessional behavior and people that are not team players. And what culture does is it allows you, and a great example is the Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic historically has been extremely intentional about hiring for fit and hiring for attitude and doing it the Mayo way. They have a very narrow band of behaviors because they define and reinforce the behaviors that create value and help the organization be healthy and improve. And they're explicit about the behaviors that create unacceptable risk. That's interesting. Gina, last thoughts? Well, Michael's comments made me think about the sustainability study that we did last year. And we looked at our top performers who had sustained top performance over time. And it was just a privilege to go into Rush, to go into Kansas and Utah and speak with them. And Michael just summed up what we heard from them is that we hire for culture. We can teach you the technical components. Of course, you have to come in with a baseline of skills for the role we're hiring you into. But we're going to call the interviewees out 
by culture, and they talked about their recruitment process and how nurses were so engaged with the interview process. And they are looking through the lens of, are you going to be a good teammate? Are you going to create a positive culture on our environment? Are you going to collaborate? And those that are not hired are those that do not bring the right culture that they expect. And they talk about the Kansas way. And the Kansas way is around the behaviors and attitudes that you bring to work every single day. And that's the first step in being able to be an employee at Kansas and to remain an employee at Kansas. And they talked about that too. So it's so important. All of this is very fascinating. And I really appreciate your time today. So that's all the time we have for now. Unfortunately, thank you both for joining us. No, thank you guys. Pleasure and a privilege to be with you. It was a privilege, Marilyn. Thanks so much for elevating this topic. Our thanks to Dr. Michael Leonard and Dr. Gina Futrell for sharing their expertise on the topic of high reliability culture. And thanks to you for listening. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments at picollaboratives at visientinc.com. From Visient's PI Collaboratives team, I'm Marilyn Sherrill.